episode 35, Acupuncture 101, Gut Health and Cosmetic Acupuncture. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear licensed acupuncturist Joyce Kowalachuk Perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. I want to give a shout out to the international crowd, which makes up about 30% of the podcast so far. Japan, Bangladesh, China, Nepal, India, Germany. Thanks so much for listening. Now, today on the show, we're going to talk about acupuncture. Our first acupuncturist on a doctor's perspective podcast. We're going to go into traditional Chinese medicine. What are the five elements? Cosmetic acupuncture, which I didn't really know much about, and it's kind of cool. How to help gut health. And then she discusses cool things like the farmer's market for marketing. What are some alternatives to needles? And at the end of the episode, she's got this pretty cool side hustle that we'll talk about for a few minutes. A doctorsperspective.net slash three five. Without further ado, let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Podcast. Welcome back to the show live from China today. We have an amazing guest, a first time on the program profession. We have a traditional Chinese medicine, classical five element acupuncture mixed in with some Japanese acupuncture, Western medical theory, who has VA healthcare experience, spa and wellness industry, and is now serving the West Valley Phoenix area with acupuncture and Eastern diet terry therapy. Welcome to the show, licensed acupuncturist Joyce Koala check. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Like I mentioned, we haven't had an acupuncture on and I am so excited to dive deep into everything that I just said. Plus you do things called cosmetic acupuncture. I don't really know what that means exactly. So I'm excited to pick your brain like crazy today. Definitely. Well, let's just start from the jump. How'd you decide to become a licensed acupuncturist? Uh, I think acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine really encompass a lot of my personal interests into, you know, into one profession. And I think that acupuncture is really helping to fill, uh, fill a gap in the current healthcare model and helping to satisfy a shift towards more preventative medicine versus a curative kind of healthcare model. And I really like helping patients who have reached a point of kind of hopelessness in with the conventional medicine um, and a lot of times people will come into my office and say that I'm their last resort. Um, and that makes me really happy because I'm, I'm glad they found me. And I, I, I think acupuncture really thrives in, a in, um, kind of that idiopathic gray area of where people's, you know, all people's blood panels and, and test results are within range, but they still don't feel better or they don't feel well. So I think that acupuncture really helps address those types of issues for people. And give us a, a quick laundry list of what are some of the most common, I'm not sure if you're, well, you know, if you can call it conditions or like uh, if there's any proper terminology that you can and can't use based on your credentialing, mm-hmm. like a naturopath can't say certain things. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what do people come in for? The most common top five, six things that they come in for? A lot of times what is initially bringing a patient into my office is some kind of pain, whether it be, you know, purely musculoskeletal in you know, back or neck pain, migraines, um, or a more emotional kind of pain or discomfort like depression, anxiety. But it's usually pain, discomfort that's affecting quality of life. Um, and then, you know, through the, through the intake and evaluation, then we get more on the conversation of, all of the other things that are related and can arise from that uh, discomfort. Hmm. Now, I've heard before that you guys, your profession is able to help with smoking cessation and weight loss. Is that something that you deal with as well? Or what is your opinion on that? I do. I definitely help patients that are um, either trying to, to quit smoking, lose weight, and it's more from a you know, holistic approach, kind of addressing all aspects of health, taking a look at what's contributing to these, to the, these conditions or concerns. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then, you know, supporting with acupuncture and lifestyle recommendations, dietary therapy, things like that. Okay. So I, I work every day with TCM doctors. And so I see how they do it here and they have like this, uh, I almost think of it as like dry needling. They go so deep Mm -hmm. with the needle. Mm-hmm. And, but then I know how some chiropractors have learned acupuncture and it has the little tube and it, you know, just kind of taps in and it's only like a couple of millimeters in. Mm-hmm. Is there a best practice or um, how are you trained to do the needles? It really depends on, you know, personal style and whatever the practitioner learned. Uh, but basically, you know, for more cosmetic treatments, I use needles that are eight millimeters in length um, and they're you know, they're not going that deep into the into the skin. But I also do orthopedic acupuncture where sometimes you can, uh, you know, depending on if it's like a an issue in the piriformis, you might need a three-inch needle, those longer needles that you're talking about, um, mm-hmm. to address, you know, different areas of the body. So it's really dependent on what what you're needling. Ah, okay. I've I've seen in different magazines and like not magazines but like posters that the classical five elements wood, fire, what are they? It's uh fire, earth, metal, water, wood. Okay. So if someone came in, say they have sciatica or like low back pain and there's this is my guess and then you correct me if I'm wrong. Mhm. Maybe there's three or four points that any TCM person would touch, but then you might have like 15 needles in you. Are the last 10 based on all these comorbidities that they have, as well as trying to make sure that the wood and fire are balanced and maybe those are not balanced to doing what you have to do to balance all of those at the same time? So there's different TCM practitioners will have different points for the same condition. Yeah, definitely. There is a so more TCM approach would be almost like a point prescription and and uh, based on the pattern that you're treating, do you know whether it's excess deficiency, all of those all of those traditional patterns. Um but where the five element comes in is that's more the way that I use it in practice is it's more through you know throughout intake and assessing someone's overall constitution. And seeing what element they tend to identify with more based on the condition or recurring themes in in their health and wellness history. Um, and then, yes, those would be more supportive points. There are purely five element treatments that only, you know, only use the, uh, the five element points to address the individual on a constitutional level. And they don't really treat, you know, sciatica or migraine or things like that. It's always, always treating the constitution and the, the primary um, element or CF as it would be in, in the classical five element acupuncture. Ah, so if someone was only trained in the prescriptive point TCM, they would look at the five element and just be like, what in the world is going <laughs> on? Like you're not hitting maybe any of the points that I would have maybe because you're looking at it differently. Maybe. Yeah. And even some of the points are a little bit different than then classical traditional Chinese medicine, like point location is a bit different between the two. Ah, okay. So when you're looking at the meridian charts. Right. Exactly. Be, wow. Yeah. Do you, ah, man, when you have that much knowledge, I know I can get bogged down on like a cold laser therapy, you know, you're like, all right, what should I use sometimes on the, mm-hmm. on the program? You've got the TCM points. You're going to have the five element points being that you have some Japanese acupuncture training as well. That's probably going to be a little bit different. And then you got ear, feet, hands, where technically you can do the entire body on just the feet, just the hands, just the ears. Right. How how do you pick? That's a that's an interesting question, and it really just depends on the intake and evaluation, and and what the what the patient is trying to achieve, and what mm. you know from clinical experience, what is your best method of helping them achieve that. So it's it's really nice having a lot, you know, having a a broad scope of different, you know, different areas of focus to apply mm-hmm. the most appropriate one to an individual. So if somebody would say, they're like, dude, I really don't want a three inch needle yeah. in my buttocks. <laughs> can you just work on my, can you just do something on my hands? Or I really don't want you to like, yeah. can you do everything in the hands if that's all they allow you to do? Yeah. And that's, that's another thing, you know, being flexible with patients who don't like certain areas needled or patients who aren't comfortable lying face down, um, but they have back pain. 
So treating back pain from from the front with with a patient lying, you know, on their back and using other points that still achieve, you know, pain relief. Right. Does does someone have to believe in all of this stuff for it to work? Great question. No. Um, that is that is one of the misconceptions about acupuncture and the profession is that you need to believe in in it and you know believing in a treatment whether it's a Western medical treatment Eastern um, any kind of therapy can't hurt you know it's it can help it can help prognosis in terms of you know your overall outlook on the treatment mm-hmm. if you feel positively about it um, but it's still a physical treatment. I'm inserting needles. It's creating a, a physical response within the body. It's helping, um, you know, different different substances release in your body and natural painkillers. Um, so those are going to be released whether you believe it or not. Very good. <laughs> okay. What would you consider your specialty in the office? What's your passion? I really like dealing with pain management. Uh, it is one of the one of the closely associated things with acupuncture that it treats pain but also um, I really like dealing with digestive health and I think digestive health and gut health um, from an eastern perspective is so important and it's um, it's even more important than the, the brain in a lot of cases in, in Chinese medicine um, so gut health and digestive health dietary therapy is kind of like um your continuing care between treatments and in comparison with like a Western medical treatment, if you were to receive a prescription and you have to take it daily or as, you know, as, as prescribed, your food can be that in, um, from, from what I do. That's what I like to focus on. So here's a follow up then. When I hear dietary therapy, I'm thinking maybe some herbs and certain teas that you have to drink that probably taste horrible, but mm-hmm. they, they, they really are good. But living here, I also heard a lot of things like the air conditioning, if the wind blows on the acupuncture points, that cool breeze will go down the needles and make every condition you have worse. Mm-hmm. Drinking cold water is going to uh, make your digestion horrible. That's why you should drink hot water all the time. And if you have diarrhea, it's because I've been eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah i, I learned like, these things too <laughs> okay so it's not just things that i've picked up wrongly <laughs> no i've i've definitely heard that and you know getting that across to to people in a more um you know in the u.s and people with like high high stress lifestyles and who aren't really accustomed to traditional chinese medicine i really try to focus on getting those concepts across in a way that's accessible and applicable towards modern life. Um, so I, I very rarely tell someone that, you know, to not to drink ice cold water because it's going to, you know, ruin their digestion. But I'll, I'll definitely make some suggestions to move towards at least room temperature or, you know, depending on what season it is, things like that. Have you ever just tried not to drink ice yeah, cold water? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, do you have like a room full of herbs to pre- not prescribe, but to recommend to people to drink for certain uh, dietary ailments? I don't actually. I really focus on food therapy um, okay. with, you know, just preparing and cooking, enjoying preparing food from a five element perspective and making making well-rounded meals in terms of texture, flavor energetic of the food, whether it's, you know, cooler, warming, things like that. So I, because I feel like um, herbs and supplements are, uh, it can be, it can be very daunting for my, my patient demographic. So I really try to stress, you know, easy, simple solutions that can be just, you know, picked out at the grocery store. I feel like I'm talking more than usual on this episode, but I will continue. (laughs) Okay. Warming foods, cooling foods, Something that comes to my mind, they said, if I eat too many mangoes, it's going to create more heat in my body and I could get either pimples or a nosebleed. Okay. Accurate. What do you think? And tell the listeners, what is what is the difference between like a cold food, a hot food? And maybe what's the basic concept in that on like how you should be picking things? It really depends on your, you know, your own constitution, whether you tend to be 
tend to be a warmer person or a cooler person. You know, some people are very aggravated by the cold, cold weather, or some really enjoy dry heat. You know, I live in Arizona, people, people <laughs> moving from New York and dealing with dampness and, and, uh, coming to the, the dry desert, you definitely see a lot of changes in health as well and notice, even notice differences in pulses and how they feel and, you know, feeling dampness and pulses more on the East Coast versus feeling more like lung, lung vacuity here in the dry desert. So it's really all dependent on what is going on with the individual. And so if you have a very, you know, hot natured person, meaning they, they have excessive sweating, like true full heat, you know, redness flaring up towards the face, migraines, a lot of excess, then it wouldn't be a good idea for them to eat an excess of hot foods, you know, hot natured foods like spicy foods that would warm up metabolism and kind of exacerbate symptoms. And now I'm guessing you could probably go online and do a search and they probably would have hot foods, cold foods, just so you have a basic idea of like interesting concept. Now I know what some of these foods could be. Maybe I'll avoid those for a couple of weeks and just see how I respond. You know, the herbal medicine has a lot of information about the energetic of food and herbs. Okay, very nice. Now on to something I'm cur- I'm e- even more curious about, mm-hmm. cosmetic acupuncture. Please take it away. Of course. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> so the the whole concept is that it's a it's a gentle and natural alternative to other more invasive procedures that are that are available to people looking for, you know, not age defense and uh, facial rejuvenation, so d- reduction in fine lines, darkness under the eyes, swelling, rosacea, acne. I deal with a range of ages from, you know, teens dealing with hormonal acne to, you know, people in their, in their sixties and seventies looking for more just natural rejuvenation of the facial, like the, the skin integrity and the cosmetic acupuncture, the style that I practice is it's focused on the face, obviously to help collagen and elastin production, revitalize that matrix, um, restore elasticity in the skin and help with overall lifting um, but also it will always address the entire body because if you're just treating the face and you don't have a healthy body to hold the treatment and to support the treatment, then your results aren't going to be as effective. Hmm. How, how many visits are we talking to see results and then how long do the results last for? It depends on age and what the, you know, what concerns are. So a big part of the initial intake is establishing establishing goals, what your, you know, what are your areas of concern, and then what I think the appropriate amount of treatments would be for them to get the results that they're looking for. But usually definitely more than two or three, right? Yeah. So usually, okay. um, the cosmetic treatments are more strict in the in the protocol. So they're recommended twice a week for five weeks, so 10 total treatments. And that's, that's how long it takes to re-stimulate collagen and elastin production at the dermal layer of the skin. Okay. So as a as a more doctor-based podcast, is that something that we just see results or are there studies out there in, in journals that show that it actually does something? There are studies with facial acupuncture. It's more in my clinical practice, I'd always take before and after photos, uh, detailed photos so that the patient mm-hmm. can see. But there, you know, the results are not like Botox or fillers by any means. It's a more okay. it's a more gentle, natural approach. It's going to be more subtle than fillers, for sure. Right. But it's a natural look. You don't you don't look like you have fillers in your face. Okay. You might have that there's something about you a little different. Exactly. That's exactly what people will hear after getting facial acupuncture. Like, you know, you you're glowing, you look more vibrant. Did you change your hair? Things like that. But it's <laughs> it's um it's subtle but very effective. I like that. Do you have a I think you've already kind of said it, but do you find that the the best results are bags under the eyes or like a little bit of wrinkles on the crow's feet or on the forehead? Is there anything particularly that you're just like, man, you've got to do it. I see it on your face. You would be amazing. You would get great results probably. Uh, these are my favorite things that I could do. Yeah. So ideal age would be to start in your 30s 
because that's when that collagen elastin matrix starts to do, you know, break down just naturally. So getting a kind of preventative step on it, if you start in your thirties, then you can just maintain from there. And then it would be very minimal, you know, like fine, fine lines around the eyes. Um, it could be very, very responsive to that kind of treatment. So that would be ideal. Okay. I want to know, what are a couple of the common misconceptions about your profession? So one of the, one of the biggest misconceptions or, or apprehensions about acupuncture is that I work with needles and does it hurt? And once you can get over that initial, you know, initial anxiety, a lot of people have anxiety about needles just because from birth we're kind of bombarded with these vaccinations and immunizations. Um, and there's such a stress response related to needles in a healthcare setting. Once they can yeah. get over the fact that it's actually very relaxing, then that misconception is, you know, is debunked. Do people find that it's, uh, once the needles are in and you probably, the first couple of needles, I'm sure it kind of freaks people out if they're kind of apprehensive about it. But once they're in there, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, are they noticing any kind of pain or discomfort or what's, what should they experience? 10, 15 minutes in, they should be, they should be relaxed. They should be having a great time. Uh, they should either be sleeping or just resting. You know, I retain needles. So they're, they're retained for about 30 minutes and a lot of people fall asleep. Some, some will experience some like twitching or what I call mm -hmm. settling, um, your body kind of adjusting to the changes that are happening, whether it's due to muscle relaxation um, or, you know, different circulation happening in certain areas. Mm -hmm. um, but usually it's, it's stillness and relaxation. Do you dive into the electric acupuncture or the moxie? Uh, that's the stuff they burn on top and it stinks. <laughs> yeah. do, do you dive into any of those things? I do electroacupuncture for sure. It's great for pain management. Um, arthritis, things like that. And then Moxa, I, I don't do it currently in my space just because of, um, you know, ventilation purposes. And I'm working, yeah. working close to other, other people within a med spa. So the smell can be a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> a little bit much for Take some that, people. Jasmine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will win every day. Uh, <laughs> You could smell. I'll tell you. You walk onto a sort of floor of, of acupuncture here that does it. Yeah. The whole the whole smell. You're like, oh. Oh, I know I what's going on there. Got a few active patients going on. Yeah. Uh, as far as cupping, you do cupping, right? I do cupping. Yes. What's the point? What does it do? And do you have to have gigantic hickeys after? <laughs> you will if there's if there's an issue. Um, it's actually good to get that kind of bruising response because that shows that kind of stagnation is, is being moved and giving your body the chance to release toxins um, and detoxify. But the point is, it's kind of like a, a reverse, an inverse massage. So with, with massage, you're applying pressure. With the cupping, it's applying negative pressure in a sense. So creating that air vacuum is helping with circulation. It can help, you know, muscle injury, adhesion and just kind of lift stagnant blood in Chinese medicine to the surface where it can be removed at that level and filter out, you know, through the system. Do you kind of do more trigger, like where the trigger points are or the tender spots, or is it based on an actual like system in the, in the traditional Chinese medicine uh, arena? I definitely do both. Uh, I definitely do the, the Ashi Ashi points and trigger point therapy. If someone is having pain, referred pain, especially for trigger points. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll use both for sure. Do you ever do like the cupping mixed with some gua sha style? I don't usually mix cupping and gua sha. I'll do one or the other. Okay. But I usually, usually mix um, acupuncture and cupping or acupuncture and gua sha. And what is gua sha? Gua sha is a, it's like a scraping technique with a, a device like a, you know, traditionally a, a, a soup spoon to create sim similar to the, uh, the effect as the cupping, you know, you're, you're bringing blood to the surface of the skin and allowing kind of circulation to increase and impurities to release. And uh, public service announcement, if anyone's thinking that's woo woo stuff, <laughs> that's what you call myofascial release 
with soft tissue instrument assisted tools, aka Graston, Hawk Grips, Rock, whatever they're called, Rock Tape Tools, all these different tools that you do that you've learned in school. That's what gua sha is. Right. They just have a different <laughs> theory behind it, but really it looks the same. Yes. The, the end results. Yeah. Do you ever do, I went to a hospital and I'd never seen this before. He used a skin puncture, punctured the skin, then cupped it to where all this gooey mm. interstitial fluid and blood came out. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that? I, or is that something that's normal to do? I have not. I, I'm pretty sure that's not, uh, I don't think that's, I think it's wow. contraindicated in, uh, in the U.S., but there we go. basically just because, you know, the cups and sterilizing them and having an autoclave and all that stuff um, can be a little bit, a little bit of a hassle. I like to hear it. <laughs> I, I was, I was shocked when I saw it and I didn't know if that was pretty common or if that was just this one guy is doing some crazy stuff. I've definitely <laughs> seen it and it's pretty, it's, it's pretty intense, but I mean. The results that you can see in those videos afterward look pretty good. There we go. <laughs> Let's see. So we all have unique abilities. What would you say is one of your mindsets or strategies that set you apart from any of your competition? Or even compared to like the medical field? Sure. I really like to focus on my initial visit. I focus heavily on intake. And there is a, a treatment after that once I come up with a treatment plan. But I really like to understand understand the context of what the patient is dealing with and how how it affects their quality of life beyond what they can just write in their, you know, initial paperwork. So I really like to investigate. I like to understand the the whole picture as much as I can. I also focus on empowering patients to organize all of these different aspects of their health history and their future health and wellness goals and uh, organize it in a way that's meaningful and beneficial to them and help them reorient, you know, the healing properties that are already within them. Are there any things that we should be wary of? Like if, if someone's like, okay, I've got to go see an acupuncturist. I obviously don't live in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Are there any red flags that we should look for to disqualify somebody or things that we should say, okay, they mentioned or they do certain things that makes me excited that I should use them? Like, how do we pick somebody that's In terms that's of, good? of choosing a practitioner? Correct. I would say just research. Well, what would disqualify them is, is you know, if they're not licensed, um, that wouldn't be... That wouldn't be a good idea. There are some acupuncturists that aren't licensed. Um, there are also, I know that certain professions can practice acupuncture. So it just depends mm -hmm. on what you're, what you're looking to achieve. If you're going, going for a more, uh, chronic issue, I would recommend seeing an, an acupuncturist versus, mm -hmm. you know, a, another professional that does acupuncture as well, mm -hmm. just because they're going to really address the whole system. And in terms of like finding the right practitioner for you, I wouldn't recommend going to a five element practitioner, like a solely five element practitioner, if you have pure, uh, you know, a musculoskeletal issue or, or, or a, an injury. I would go to an orthopedic okay. acupuncturist, you know, it, kind of like picking, picking your specialist in a way, mm -hmm. but there are acupuncturists that practice multiple different specialties. So it's just, research. Okay. I think that was a great answer. Thanks. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit for the licensed acupuncture practitioners out there who maybe are just starting out, they just graduated and they're struggling. Are there any like practical steps that they could do to try to get to where you are in practice right now? Definitely. I have, I have a lot to say about this just because, you know, especially with relocating myself from, from New York to Arizona with very little uh, professional network here in Arizona and then opening my, my own practice here. There are definitely recommendations I would make. And that's in the beginning. If you're trying to open your own practice, a lot of the time you don't have a lot of, you know, financial support or, or, uh, resources like that. So at that point, I would really recommend kind of experimenting with working and reworking your education to your benefit, meaning, you know, compiling all of your experience thus far, your professional, your personal, and capitalizing on your skill and what you have to offer, even if you don't have the funds to support, you know, advertising and all, all of these startup costs, um, just really 
really bring together what makes you unique and um, bring that to your community. Get to know your community, the people that are most likely going to come and see you. Um, it is a lot, a lot less of an, an impact than, you know, big advertising uh, through a, a company that costs, you know, hundreds of dollars per month. But if you start small and get to know a few people, that's where you can build up. So a lot of community education as to what you're good at, not just what is acupuncture good exactly. at, but what are you good at? Exactly, because there is a there is a need and people are people are looking, people are living with these conditions and it would be almost a disser- disservice if you didn't let people in your immediate area know that you can help them. Sometimes you have to go after the low-lying fruit those who are looking for it before you can start educating everybody as to why you should try exactly a new okay what about a college kid maybe someone coming out of high school maybe they're in their first year of of college mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give for someone who's maybe looking at what to do in life or they want to do acupuncture my first recommendation would be to get acupuncture <laughs> <laughs> to uh you know try it out see if you even like it if you if you can't stand getting acupuncture, you're probably not going to like giving acupuncture. So that would that would be a good place to start. And then another recommendation would be to find um, to find an acupuncturist to maybe like be your mentor, someone that can inform you about the field before you go ahead and commit to the education. Is the education pretty costly? It can be for sure. It's um, the starting at twenty thousand dollars and up per year. And then depending on where you go. Mm-hmm. Is it a th- how long is it? It's a three to four year pro- either master's or doctoral program. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're looking at by the same price as every other profession out there that's uh, medical based. Yeah. But very similar. Okay. All right. And I'm assuming financially that there's a definitely a payoff for the education, right? There's, there's a way to make a living mm-hmm. and be as successful and prosperous as you want. There is definitely. And that, like I said, it just takes being more creative with your time, especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning. If you don't have, you know, after school, you have these loans that you have to repay. And how are you going to invest in your business when you have all of this debt? But that's when you really have to capitalize on the amount of time that you have and use it wisely and use it creatively. Definitely. Do you happen to have staff? I do not at the moment. I'm just a, I'm a solo practitioner. Very good. Mm -hmm. Now we mentioned marketing. You mentioned um, mostly getting out in the community. Do you have any um, couple tactics, perhaps if you were going to spend some money, where would you spend it? And then what is an effective strategy to try to meet people? I would say my, my best investment uh, best return on investment has been my local farmer's market, the Glendale Farmer's Market. That is, you know, there's a cost to have a booth. And as an acupuncturist, getting the opportunity to start a conversation with local people at an event where they're already coming for, you know, for whatever reason that would bring them to a farmer's market. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's a potential patient. And they're already interested in, you know, supporting local. They're interested in fresh produce, supporting local business. So it's a really, I would, I would highly recommend that. I'm a very, very big supporter of that. And also investing in a website and a nice website. And that's just going on the concept of people are looking for help. They are looking for your services. And you just need to make sure that you're easily, you're, you know, you can be easily found. And you're conveying your message in as uh, clear a way as possible. And I got to give you props because your website is crisp. It's clean. It doesn't give you a whole lot of fluff. It's just, I just thought it was good. It was very, it was informative, but not over informative. And it's, uh, it's just, it's professional. Thank you. They did a good, if you did it or somebody else did it, they did a pretty good job. I did. I did. I just used, uh, I used Weebly actually, which I, Ah. is a great startup website program and Mm -hmm. you can really get creative with it. Very nice. You know, I, would, I like to market. I'm just brainstorming here. When you said farmer's market mm-hmm. and you were talking earlier about warm food and cold food and it's organic stuff. So it's only going to be stuff that's been growing seasonally. Right. I'm just like, wow, you could like get somebody's email, have a pre-made list of, hey, these are the things you should be buying. Exactly. In this season. Like, or I'll give you the handout today since you're shopping. Yeah. So go ahead and put back that and put this back and buy these instead. Or yeah, it's just a great way to, you know, once you get somebody's email, it's 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 on like it, the marketing situation. It do. The, if you're going to do these events and go go out places, 
always make sure you have a way to get contact information to, you know, keep, keep ex- the exposure open and, and, uh, keep letting them know all of the ways that you can help them. This made me think, do you guys, gals ever do cold laser acupuncture for people who are like, I cannot do needles or is there a way to do this without any needles at all? You can do, you can do cold laser for sure. I don't currently have that in my practice, but I know mm-hmm. of quite a few who do with, with great results. You can also do acupressure, which would be just manual stimulation of the points without needles. Um, that's great for children mostly in my experience, mm-hmm. but there are, there are options. Okay. I know somebody out there is probably saying, not in a million years are you touching me with 20 needles <laughs> I know. times. I know. I meet them frequently. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just trust me, people. Come on. Yeah. What about you? Five-year goals. How do you know if they're worthy of pursuit? And what do you, what, maybe what is one of them? Five-year goal. Uh, definitely expanding my practice, getting a few more treatment rooms, maybe making a more integrative wellness space. And also establishing more integration within other uh, other healthcare communities with more you know more doctors, more specialists, things like that. And I think that's totally worth doing because it, the intent would be to provide the best care for the patient. And with that in mind, those are definitely future goals to pursue. So, as an acupuncturist, could you work? You could have your own solo clinic. Can you work in a spa setting? Or a medical doctor setting as well? Okay. So depending on where you're at and who you are and who you know, all of these are available. Initially, when I came, when I moved to Arizona, I was expecting to do something similar to that, to, you know, be be a contracted position. But it just worked out the way it worked out that I just opened my own practice. Um, But there are a lot of opportunities in hospitals, especially now there are um, a lot of kind of sanctioning is moving towards uh, the hiring of, of alternative practitioners in hospital settings. Yeah, that is that is more recent news in the alternative healthcare profession. So financially, is that an option that would allow you to afford to live and pay off your student loans and have kind of like a quality of life, or is the re- the the salary for that type of position a little um, less than desirable right now? I think it could be. I think it would require a, you know more hours than uh, private practice, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe even, you know, having different facilities that you contract with. But I think it's definitely okay. possible. Okay. Very nice. What gets you excited about the future? Where do you see your field going over the next few years? I think acupuncture is thriving currently, um, especially in the U.S. One of one exciting thing for the profession happened last summer in 2016. The Bureau of Labor Statistics gave um, acupuncture its own occupational code. So what that means is prior to prior to that, acupuncture was only seen as a modality, and now it's going to be recognized as a profession, and acupuncturists are going to be seen as professionals on a federally recognized, which means greater opportunity for the profession in beyond private practice, integrating with uh, potentially VA hospitals, having acupuncture be covered by Medicare, things like that. So I definitely think acupuncture is thriving and it's progressing and expanding as a profession. Good job. I wasn't aware of that at all. Yeah, it's it's good news. Do you take insurance? I do work with insurance companies depending on, you know, whether their plan covers it or not. Okay. It's just the main. So it is advantageous for a practitioner to get on these plans if if they're able to. Yeah, it it also helps with patient compliance for sure. There are a lot of people yeah. who uh, will will go and get treatment. Very good. Uh, you don't have to answer this one, but if someone's completely no idea about acupuncture and a cost, is there like a range that's kind of considered more normal versus someone who's on the top 1% of charges? I think so. Uh, I think a more average range would be 60 to $80 per treatment okay. uh, in a private practice. That would be average. And then you have community acupuncture, which of course is going to be cheaper than that because it's you're in a shared space. You're getting treatment mm-hmm. with multiple individuals versus a private room. And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum uh, where I know some people are charging $500 for treatments. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So we need to tap into that market. Yeah. And figure- <laughs> 
Yeah. That is an incredible jump in price I right know. there. <laughs> you have to be very certain in your abilities. Definitely. And you've got to be offering a whole bunch of, of uh, value there for sure. Yeah. Hats off to those guys. Yeah. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little more personal. You have your own clinic. That means you're probably working lots of hours. How do you take vacation? And is there a way to take more? I think uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in vacation. Um, right now, the vacations that I've taken are just on the weekend. And that's, um, mm -hmm. you know, either driving distance or a short flight somewhere more so because I'm still, you know, still in the early stages of business here in Arizona. So that's a priority for me to be around and be available. But in the future, more vacation is definitely possible if you or if, you know, if you want to plan a family, things like that, what you would most likely do is take on an associate and expand the practice in that way and get a few more people on the administrative end to help make that a possibility. I like it. It's a pretty good answer right there. Do you, do you have any kind of volunteering or hobbies or anything that is pa you're passionate about besides acupuncture? I do, definitely. I, uh, I volunteer with the Glendale Women's Club, which is the, the local women's club in my city. And their, um, their kind of mission statement is unity in diversity. And I really like doing that because they have all different, all different volunteer opportunities for, uh, you know, health and wellness, for environment, getting involved in government, politics, all different areas where you can kind of hone in on. So I, I really enjoy doing that. And I also really like sewing. I have a, a, uh, a clothing business with my sidekick. We create custom clothing. That's a, definitely a passion of what? mine. Yeah. You have a website for that? You want to share it? I do. It's, uh, it's called, the website is johnnictull.com. It's J-A-N-A-K-T-U-L-L.com. JohnnyTall.com. Yeah. What kind of stuff can they find on there? That's pretty interesting. It's uh, our website's more of like a lookbook of our some of the designs that we've created, and it's pretty it's pretty funky stuff. It's pretty uh, colorful and and fun. It's just fun. Uh oh, hang on. <laughs> you know I opened your site. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Look at that. Yep, it's definitely uh, unique. And y'all create this yourself, or we do. We we create all of our patterns. Uh, we cut and sew everything, and it's everything is one of a kind. We never make the same piece more than once. Wow, y'all got to look at this. They got <laughs> some. Uh, they're like some wraps. I don't know what you call them. Like a like a when a girl's in a movie theater and they're cold, they bring that little jacket with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're like such funky patterns. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this is after my own heart. <laughs> Paisleys. Big, Did you make yoga pants too? Yeah, big on big on paisley for sure. Wow. Yeah. Y'all can just listen to me wow and ooh about the, the designs. <laughs> I tell you, if you like colors and patterns, this is going to be it right here. Yeah, check it out. A lot of fun. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, you got some good stuff on here. Thanks. Where's this beach? That's actually on LBI in New Jersey. It's like a little little island off the coast of New Jersey. Oh my goodness. How would somebody want to purchase this if they wanted to? <laughs> We have a link on the bottom of the website where you can just contact us directly. There it is. Send me an email. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. That was fun. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> How long has that been going on for? My sidekick actually started the business uh, maybe five years ago, and then I joined forces with him three years ago. Okay. Yep. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> As far so homework life balance is we kind of mentioned it, but are there any other topics that you'd like to discuss to try to create that I'm off work now it's now it's home lifetime versus always bringing your work home and it kind of consuming you all the time as a as a business owner what would you say that's an important one and especially being a solo you know owning and operating my practice and I'm I'm very much able to leave leave my office and not think about the day of what happened you know whatever took place. But then I get home and, and there are managerial things that need to be done and, um, all of the, all of the business owner stuff that if I don't do it after work, then when do I do it? Um, and then in, in addition to the sewing, so kind of juggling all of these things and making sure, you know, at a certain hour, it's just everything's off. No, no, uh, no distractions and either, you know, watch a movie or something to kind of totally disconnect. Yeah, that can be tough. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a time when, not, not a fast and furious uh, time zone, but is there a time of the day where you're just like, all right, I don't care what's going on, I have to unplug? Uh, 
before bed. I don't sleep with my phone near the bed. I put it in the closet and close the door and nice. like totally, totally disconnect. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Are you married or a significant other? I have a significant other, my sidekick, who uh, we do the sewing together. Um, we live together as well. How do you how do you find that? Well, I guess since you both are a part of it, that actually makes uh, the sewing a little bit more easier because mm-hmm. you're both doing it, I would assume. Yeah. How do you keep the love alive and feel connected on a regular basis? In the podcast, we we always find that a lot of doctors end up, maybe they gain the world, but then they lose their entire family. I There's see. There's a lot of divorced people. So trying to right, find right. out like... What can you do to not have that happen? Really just folk, you know, make those make establish those boundaries and you I feel like you both kind of have to commit to those boundaries and be willing to have a time where you're both not distracted by whatever else is going on. Like my sidekick is in dental school. He's going to be a dentist and he's so we'll both be in the healthcare profession um and have to deal with all of the stuff that goes along with that. But Weekends are definitely our time. Trying something new every weekend has been an ongoing theme. Wow, that's got to be tough because if if you're full-time plus a side business, he's got the side business and he's in school, which yeah. we both know how much effort that took. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to make a priority for your, your relationship. Yeah, and it happens. It happens quite easily. But there are days where it's more of a, you know, you really have to commit to being focused on what's important. Absolutely. Completely agree with that one. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to have any kind of morning or lunch routine that gets you excited and grounded for the rest of the day? In the morning, I really just like having a lot of time, like a few, at least three hours before I go into work to just kind of ease into the day. I'm usually alone with my dog at that point, having coffee or tea. And that's probably my daily my daily routine. And then I do a bit of like a Qigong exercise in my actual uh, office to kind of prepare once I'm at work. Mm-hmm. Three hours. Do you start late or wake up early? I wake up early or I, or <laughs> start late, which whatever the day, <laughs> whatever the day needs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you say Qigong? Yes. It's, um, it's an ancient Chinese kind of uh, practice. It's within the scope of traditional Chinese medicine, more so like slow moving exercises based on focused on breath and breathing and intention. Something else to Google later on. Yeah. Favorite books. Do you have a favorite book, blog, podcast that you secretly love and one that you would recommend for everybody to, to check out? I do. This is my uh, this is my nerdy pleasure. It's called brainfacts.org. And it's basically just a, an online resource um, of information regarding current studies on brain, the brain, nervous system and neuroscience, because that's actually a an area of, of interest for me, even though, it, you know, as a, a Chinese medical practitioner, it's you almost never consider the brain as a as an, um, a part of the overall diagnosis. But that's a uh, that's something I'd recommend. And they have really cool studies, current current research regarding all different aspects of neuroscience. And then other than that, there's this book that I was really enjoying lately. It's called The Food Lovers Cleanse. It's by Sarah Dickerman in association with Bon Appetit. And that's mm. that's a really good resource for simple meals e- and eating seasonally. That's good. Well, in Bon Appetit, that's a pretty uh, staple right there. Yeah, definitely. So high praise to that book. Yep. All right. All right. Any other ones? Other than that, I really enjoyed... I feel like I, I read... If I'm going to spend time reading a book, it is usually to learn something. I don't read much fiction more, you know, more books about like gut health, like Brain Maker was really good. I forget the author for that. I'm sorry, but um, no worries. That's a good, good read for sure. Okay. It was good enough for me. <laughs> and our last question is totally for fun. Favorite phone app, business or pleasure? Pinterest. Ooh. Pinterest for sure. That is a, a creator's haven. You can go on there and, and learn to do most any kind of uh, it's good for sewing, good for crafting, you know, weekend projects. I love Pinterest. <laughs> Do you use it in conjunction to sell products? I don't. I haven't tapped into that yet. But yeah, it's more just for just for pleasure and finding out how to do different things. I know I have a Pinterest board just for cute basset hounds. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's essential for sure. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, so do you have a basset hound? You're like, I did once. 
but I do not have any dogs now. I just like to look at the pictures. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very good. Well, how can people find out more information about, about you? Uh, you can go to my website, JoyceKAcupuncture.com. I have information on there. I also uh, have Google Plus and Instagram where I post more frequently. What, what's your Instagram handle? Instagram is JoyceKAcupuncture. I had a great hour with you. I've learned a lot. It's been, it really has been a, a good hour for me. This has been a, exciting to share with you. And thank you for the opportunity to discuss kind of my journey thus far. Well, we appreciate it. And I just hope that 2017 is going to be one of your best years ever. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Justin. Joyce, thank you so much for being on the show. My goodness, we covered a lot today. My knowledge has expanded on acupuncture. I hope everybody else has too. This is definitely a profession that a lot of people have questions about. And so I hope they got some good answers and inspired somebody to maybe refer to an acupuncturist. And by all means, check out janoctool.com to see her clothes, pain, gut health, cosmetic. Now we know some more about acupuncture. All the show notes, doctorsperspective.net slash three five. Travel tip coming up next. Somebody was asking me the other day, they said, I'm 30 pounds overweight, which is more than what it used to be. I've got no motivation to go to the gym, but I know I need to do something. And I told them that's what my book is about. You can't go from eating 3000 calories, dropping them to 18 without some kind of plan. I can help you get there and all the little steps in between. Maybe you can only exercise for five minutes, but start there. Don't feel guilty about it. And then work yourself up to that 30 minute goal that everybody says you should do. That's what the book's about. You can get it at doctorperspective.net slash free ebook, or you can just buy it on Amazon as a paperback or a Kindle. If you notice on our website, we have all these pop-ups where you can get uh, 12 exercises for your neck and low back, core strengthening. We also have stretches for numbness and tingling that are in the arms, feet, hands. I want you to know we have merchandise at a doctorperspective.net slash shop. You know, we've got uh, t-shirts and logo podcast gear that I would be so thankful if you got. Uh, definitely post a picture on social media and, and tag me and I'll give you a uh, shout out. As always, if you look at the top right of the website, we have all the little social media icons. Just pick the ones that you like to use the most. Follow us. Uh, you're going to get quotes from the each week's episode. You know, if you sign up on an email, you'll get all the updates and uh, important announcements. So as always, I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you listening. And if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, I'd be much obliged. Your weekly travel tip today, always wash your fruit really well. You never know what type of pesticides might be on it or other kind of chemicals. So just do your due diligence, scrub them down. Some people even peel them like they'd peel the apple. I don't really like to go that far, but they do say sometimes if you're traveling in a foreign country, maybe don't eat too much fruit just in case your digestion doesn't handle it very well. Okay, have a good week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end i hope you got the right dose for your optimal life please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media and visit the show notes on the doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest a sincere thank you in advance you've been listening to dr justin trosclair giving you a doctor's perspective